Thank you for listening to the Risen Community Church podcast. Risen Church exists to point all people to a new life with Jesus. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and inspired by this message and that the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus Christ through it. To learn more about Risen Church or to contribute to this ministry financially, check us out on social media or visit risencommunity.church. That's risencommunity.church. been preparing really uh, for quite some time for it so we'll, we'll be starting in uh, part one of the church okay the church what is the church so you and I you know if you were born in a um, Christian home or if you didn't our culture the church it has a big big impact has a big reputation in our daily lives um, in everything we do and everything we say in the community too, the church always has a big impact too on, on the events that goes uh, through the community. So the question is, um, when you hear the word or the name church, what is the first thing that comes to mind? What is the true church of Christ? What does it really mean to you? Is it, you know, the first thing, just ask yourself literally, like I'm saying this, when you hear the church, is it just, this building right here is this this nice facility that God blessed us with is this really the church you know we hear the misconception um, uh, you know and we use it often is I'm going to church and people they mean the building but this is really the church the building it is really truly the building you know when I when I was preparing for the message I kept asking God I says why do you ask why why are you asking me to uh, teach about the church what is the purpose of this sermon? I mean, what, what is the core value or core message that you want me to share with, with the people to blossom? I just don't want to stay in here and bore you with something that has no value, something that will not touch your heart, something that will not uh, transform your life, something that is not going to make a difference in your life. So I kept praying, praying about it, and as I'm praying, God to start opening my eyes to really what the true church is, but also wrecked me because I realized that even though I'm a person that has been involved in churches for a long time, I also got caught up in the process, got caught up in the routine of the church, got caught up with the idea of the big church. Not until I'm preparing for this, I had to take 10 steps back and realize what the church is all about. But then when I did get to that point, I realized the misconception of today's church. I realize there is a big, big, big gap that we started here, but we are way in left field, and God is still here waiting for us for, to be his church. So the question is, again, what comes to your mind? Is it the buildings? Because we have churches now, they have so many campuses, right? It's not just one building. Is it the different uh, way we look at church? Is it like a um, synagogue? Is it a temple? Is it a house of worship? Is it a place of condemnation and legalistic sanctification? We just come in because we want to get sanctified. We want to just, you know, dump our um, sins and repent and turn around and go back. Is it, a, is it a holy place that when we actually walk in and we stand in sin, we feel God's holiness in there and we have no choice but to repent? and turn around from our old ways so when we walk we know that God got this 
we know that God has forgave us and he's given us a new clean slate. Is this what the church is all about or is it really the people? Is it the people? You know, it's not biblical that many people today understand the church just as a building or as denominations, right? The denominations is taken over because we have so many different denominations, so many different doctrines, so many man-made religions that it does not go in line with God's mission for us. It just does not. So Romans 16, chapter 16, this is what it tells us. Greet also the church in their house. The church in their house. That means when you and I, we go to somebody's house and we do a Bible study and we do a life group or we do an I grow class about a topic and we live life together. That's what the church is all about. The church is about when we gather, when we gather as people. It is never, never intended to be a mega church, never intended to be a, a million dollar building or buildings with a million or billion people come into that building but yet when they go in they don't find jesus jesus is not in the place holy spirit is not even there but yet people they come for whatever reasons but they come they come to the building they come to the doctrines they come to the denominations when jesus came and he preached the kingdom life he was preaching for kingdom people he never intended for these kingdom people to go out and start creating their own mini kingdoms for their own personal agenda it's the people it's the people it's not the building so the biblical definition of the true church of jesus christ what is the bible definition of that true church ephesians chapter 1 tells us exactly what the church is all about it's exactly how jesus told us the church ought to be god plus all things god plus every single thing all there is no exception and under his feet under jesus feet he appointed him to be the head to be the head over everything for the church so jesus is the head of the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way so the church is simple that's my body right this is jesus and we are the different parts that we move and complete each other some of us are fully committed and some of us are fully active and some of us are consumers some of us are paralyzed in the process those active parts the one they do in all the work they're trying to compensate for this these people but these people they still come to church right they still come to church for the doctrines they still come to church for the denomination they still come to church because the style of the building and the and the luxury that comes with it but jesus is the head wherever he moves he's always in the lead he's always in the lead that's why our obligation and our commitment has risen to always always let the holy spirit lead with everything we do and everything we say and follow him because if you drive and you look right or left your hands they're going to follow this if you ride a motorcycle the same thing they always always tell you you know when your head move or when your eyes move your body always react to it so if jesus is the head that means he has to lead the church the sad part is because we have our own personal agenda we dis 
own Jesus. And we want to be the head, and we also we want to be the body that lead people to nowhere, to lead people not to salvation. So if Jesus is the head and we are the body, we are called to be missionaries. We are called to be active part of the body for one reason, one reason only, because God gets the glory. So the church is a bunch of people that they have the heart for Jesus. They want to give all the honor and all the glory and all the power to the one that our heart desire. So this is the name of the church. It's a Greek word, ecclesia, right? It means an assembly. People, they come and they assemble and they gather, but also it says called out. The called out ones, we are called out from this world. We are called out from whatever situation we're going through. We are called out to go somewhere. So when you plant a church, when you start a church, there is three things they need to happen. You have a bunch of people in that community, they have, been they have been actually praying and asking God the Father for people like you to come because God has a special calling over your life. And the second thing is you, the one with the gifts and the calling, and God calls you to that place as an answer to the group in that community. And then in between is God. So when the people they're calling for people to come and the people that they answered the call to go meet, God gets the glory. And that's what the church is all about. You meet and you give God the glory. It's never, all, never ever about the flow of people to the church. It's not always about the money in the bank. It's not always about, you know, the glory um, that the preacher, the pastor, or the priest going to get from it. You know, I always use this analogy, and I always tell people, even our uh, team, you know, if I leave this church right now, and I say to God, God, I am not able to uh, lead the flock. I am not a worthy shepherd. I don't think I can do it. You think God is going to start biting his nails and says, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? He's leaving me. Who's going to lead the risen? No, he's not going to do that. Simple. He's going to say, next. So already have somebody lined up. And the reason why I share this with you is just because it's not good enough for us just to keep worrying about our issues. There is so much work has to be done. There is a finish line you and I, we're going to have to meet. There is a throne that you and I, we're going to have to stand in awe and give account of our life on earth. Just the, just the way it works. This is the circle of life, right? There is no, no way around it. So to be part of a church, you have to answer the Great Commission. You have to be a called out people to go out and be the church who God created you to be, who God created and asked you to be. So the church is a single one. There is, none, there is no many, uh, there is not many churches. The church is a single one church. It is one church. Regardless of the doctrines, regardless of the denominations, regardless of the belief system, regardless of the media, regardless of anything. When Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. He said one church. He not, did not say churches. He says, one church. He said, it's a great scripture. On this rock, I will build my church, not churches, and the gates of Hades, which is the grave, the death will not overcome it. For 2,000, over 2,000 years ago, 
the church has been enduring many trials, right? Some attacks, are, a lot of them are bad, and still here, still moving, still moving because God is leading. The gates of death, the enemy, could not and will not destroy the church. It just, he can't. Man mind, you know, man-made church, you know, the culture, our uh, socioeconomics, um, the status of our political background, our society's uh, dynamic, our um, belief system does not, has no place inside the church, zero. It has no place. You know, the Christ through church will not die out, will not die out or destroy. Jesus is always, always there. You know, Isaiah 4 and uh, many of the scripture, they predicted the outpouring of the Holy Spirit way before, way before. So what is the great outpouring? It is the day that church started. It's the day that Jesus through church started. It's the birth of the new church. It's the body. It's just when we know as a body that we have to go to war together. We have to fight the spiritual warfare together. Jesus told them it's not going to be walk in the park. You're going to get persecuted. They're going to hate you because they hate me first. They knew that. But up in the upper room, up in the upper room, they prayed in Acts 2. Acts chapter 2. When the day of the Pentecost arrived, they were all together. They were all together. They were not divided. In one place, right? That's what the church is all about. It's all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as fire appeared to uh, them and rested on each uh, one of them. And they were all filled, all of them were, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So Simon Peter, after that, he took his pulpit. And uh, son of Peter, I mean, Simon Peter, the son of Jonah, after that, he gave his first sermon. So today, I want to acknowledge a baby church about to be born in soon, three weeks, three weeks. Acts 2 Church, and I have the church planters, uh, they're right here with us. Please keep them in your prayers. Please stand. Just want to acknowledge you for taking the first step of faith. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you. Please keep them in your prayers. Keep them in your prayers. And if you are in that area, please make sure you swing by. Uh, they will be launching out of the Saginaw Valley uh, campus. Uh, and their name, their church name is Acts 2, which is, has a very special place uh, to my heart. This is a screenshot for their website. Please visit them. And if you feel God is calling you to support them uh, in any way, please do that. But that's what the church is all about. That's what the church is all about. You know, in Acts 2, 42, the early church, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves for what? It was very simple. They did not complicate the church. They did not overwhelm themselves with so many doctrines and denominations and, and too many ulterior motives. It was very simple. The early church, they devoted, they dedicated, they were intentionally 
going after the apostles' teaching and fellowship, and breaking the bread. And that's the example that Jesus said. So when you break a bread with somebody in the Easter culture, you, you're creating a covenant. You're creating a bond that you're telling that person that I will go to war with you, no matter what the situation is. I am there for you, I'm gonna support you, and I'm there for you through thick and thin. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. You know, fellowship, you know, you hear a lot of churches now, they staying away from it because it's old-fashioned, it's Old Testament thing, right? People say, hey, you know, why, 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 are you, why are you even talking about fellowship? This is Old Testament. It's not. Fellowship is when you actually have the bond with people, when you get to know who they are. I always say in order for you to know somebody, two things they need to happen. You gotta invite them, you gotta have really a sincere, genuine invitation, but also there is no hidden agenda. You're very transparent with them. And when you do that, that's how you build relationship. That's how you have fellowship. And that's also what God is asking us to do when we come and worship Him together. He wants us to have that transparency. He does not want us to come in with a big agenda, with a hidden agenda. He doesn't, because if you want to have that fellowship and that intimacy with the Lord and have that relationship, you have to be very transparent. But it starts with the invitation. I always share with group when I preach about worship is when God says, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you, right? He does, but who has to draw near first? The scripture says you and I, we have to draw near first, right? And when, they, when we do, we're inviting God. And then after we do that, we drop our agenda, and then God knows who we are, and he answers our prayers, and he opens doors and closes doors, and things just has totally different dimension, different perspective, and we see his presence in our life and everything we do and everything we say. Well, it starts with us. So the early church, they devoted themselves to learn from the apostles. They did not have internet. They did not have books. They did not have any way of communicating other than just gathering all of them in one place and hear the message from the apostles. And as they did that, they broke bread and then above all else, they prayed. They prayed, they prayed day and night. They prayed intentionally because they believed of the power of prayer that will change a lot of things. We'll split the sea, right? We'll move mountains, and miracles will happen through prayers. But they started also just exactly how Jesus wanted them to do. They started as little flock. That's basically what Jesus wanted the church to be, just a little flock, never intended for the church to be million and billion people stuck in a in a high luxury building, but they're not worshiping God in spirit and truth. And Jesus in the Holy Spirit is not there. So this is what, the, what Luke says. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father, your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. You know, Zechariah, we always use that. Zechariah 4 says, do not be despised. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And that's why we don't care about numbers, that's why we look at our baby church. We want to have a small, healthy growth. We're not looking to be a mega church. We're looking, whoever wants to find Jesus, whoever wants to find and encounter the Holy Spirit, we want him to come and encounter God here. We want to preach and teach the Word of God to every tribe, to every nation, to every tongue, to every race, at every corner of this earth. That's who we are. 
And that's, we want to always, always follow the true example of Jesus, uh, true church. So God's measure of the church is really not the size of the church. God never, ever measures, the, uh, you know, if the church is healthy based on the size of the church or how big is the building or how much money we have in the bank. It's not. God measures the success of the church based on our heart. It's all here. It's all in our heart. Are you feeling God's heart? Are you going hard after God's heart? We cannot and we won't be perfect. King David, you know, did a lot of things and he was not perfect, but he followed God's heart hard. And we can do the same thing. That's how God's measure the church. How many people that we led them to Christ? How many people they came into this building, right? And they worship God with us. And we are the church there. We gather around them and we bless them and we prayed for them. Instead of us praying for ourselves. Instead of for us worrying about what we're going through. Yes, we gather in one place, all of us. But we have to learn the word of God and we have to pray together for all of us. And that's God, how he measures. When, you know, when the Holy Spirit knows that somebody came carrying burdens and carrying struggles and come in and pray with us as a corporate, as a body, and then that person leaves healed and transformed and renewed. That's what the church is all about. It's all about the body. It's all about the body. It's all about us being active part of the body, committed to follow Jesus, which is the head. You know, he is the cornerstone, right? But we are also the living stones of the church. Each one of us has something to provide, has something to plus the church with, has something to uh, transform lives. We are called and gifted in so many different ways. And it's, it's, it's so nice, it's so unique, and it's so pleasing to God when we actually uh, start using those gifts, you know? I was talking to a uh, missionary's uh, friend of mine, and... Um, breaks my heart when the missionaries come to the U.S., comes back home, we treat them like beggars, right? But yet, when they are in their cold place, when they are overseas, exactly doing the church that God has called them to be, they have different authority. They have different respect. People respect them. People honor them. But yet, when they come back home, oh, they want our money, and we don't want anything to do with them totally ignore them and they say oh they just that's all they need the money but then again the minute they cross the ocean they meet with the people that they praying for them to come and they are answering god's prayer and they already went and then when they meet god's get the glory and that's what the church is all about that's what the church is all about and we're all missionaries we're all missionaries in a different ways whether you are missionary in your own home in your own neighborhood, in your own school or work. We're all missionaries. We all carry different gifts that God is asking us to use them so we can multiply, so we can increase and advance his kingdom. And we do it for one reason, one reason only, just to glorify God and give him all the honor. That's the measure of success. How many people we save? So any place, any place, regardless what that place is, if the Holy Spirit presence is not in it, becomes one of three things. A social club, a legalistic organization, or just a secular nonprofit 
organization. So not until the Holy Spirit comes and fills that tabernacle, that's not until the Holy Spirit comes and fills this building right there. And that's what we do. When we get here early in the morning, we try to set things up for you, but we're also inviting the Holy Spirit. We always tell our team, and we all of us collectively pray, that if the Holy Spirit is not present in that building, we might as well go home, because this is not a church. This is just a Swartz Creek High School Performing Arts Center. That's what it is. But on Sunday, it's a church. It's a place that we all gather collectively and give God all the honor and all the glory. And that's why we always ask for volunteers, because when we have more volunteers that they use their gifts for it to work, actively pursuing God's heart, we can reach to your neighbor. We can reach to the people that they know, that you know that they're broken and wounded and scarred, and they cannot even stand on their feet to get out of their house, let alone to come to a church, right? So that's what we pray for. Our mission as a risen church is to leave the 99 like Jesus did and go after the one. Our ministry, it's really our ministry, it's, it's very simple. It's to lead as many people to that bush where Moses found God and encountered God and it transformed his life and transformed nation and changed the trajectory of our faith, changed the trajectory of our life. So our mission as a risen church is to be Jesus' hands and feet and change one life at a time, one person at a time, to be the true church that is led by Jesus the head with everything we do and everything we say. And whatever he wants to do with us and whatever he's taking us through faith and confidence, we're going to follow him and follow him only. So God's promise still active. When God promised Joshua, he gave him this great prayer. And this is an encouragement for me. When I'm down on my knees praying for God, and I, that was not even on the, on the message. I was praying last night and asking God, what else can I bring to you? What else can I bring and share with you that will change your life, that will give you an encouragement and then this prayer is hanging on the wall in my dining room. And it brings joy and encouragement to my heart because I always, always relate to Joshua. A young person, Moses died, and he's given him millions of Israelites. They're still on the east bank of the Jordan, right? But God is asking him to take leadership, to follow God's leadership and go through the Jordan to the west bank and have his worship team lead him and defeat Jericho, defeat the mighty walls of Jericho. So this is, he went like Moses, he went back and forth with God and trying to justify and saying the big but, but this, but that, I can't do it, I'm too young, I'm not equipped, I'm not capable. But God never ever called the equipped, he equips the called, right? So whatever you're going through, whatever you think that you are not capable of doing, trust me, just take that small step of faith like Moses did. Had he not done that, the Red Sea wouldn't have departed, right? You start with the small step of faith. And you do not have to be uh, a scholar. You do not have to uh, be anything other than just obedient person. You know, when God called um, 
and Jesus when he um, was recruiting the disciples, right? They were fishermen, tax collectors, killers, right? But when they found the heart of God and they realized that's the only thing is worthy of pursuing and running hard after, they changed. They changed. And I pray right here, right this minute, that whatever you're going through, if you feel that you're not equipped, if you feel that you're not worthy, if you feel that you're not able to go and do what God has called you to do, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. And I can prove it to you. And history does too. Don't listen to me, just read history. Read the Bible. It tells you every single different, every single person that decided to be obedient to God and they decided that they wanna go hard after God's heart, they changed their lives and everybody else in the process. It just takes obedience and faith. You know, what is faith? Faith is believing in the stuff, in the things, the event that we have not seen. And having confidence that God will, and he always does, come through. So this is what he tells Joshua. Joshua is still scared. And God tells him, have I not, have I not, that means he's already been telling them, have I not commanded you, be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord, I, the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. And I pray this prayer for everyone that needs hope, to be strong and courageous, and do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, because God, your Father, is with you wherever you go. Yes, it's a conditional approval to Joshua, but it's the same still to all of us. Not until you become strong and courageous, not until you do that, God will be there for you. You have to take that small step. And coming to church and praying and worshiping and praising God and getting, you know, uh, feeling the presence of God that comes in so many different ways. Yes, you can have all that done in your living room or in your secret prayer closet, right? But when we worship as one body and we give God all the, all the glory, this is how his kingdom moves. That's how we touch people's heart. That's how we save souls. So whatever you do, whether you're teaching, you're preaching, or even you're talking to your own kids, please listen to the scripture. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as good for edification according to the need of the moment. So that it will give grace, it will give grace to those who hear. So whatever you do, whatever you say, just make sure it's all biblical. It's all make sure it is Bible-based, Christ-centered, and Holy Spirit-led. You know, we come to church to glorify God, to edify the saint, and to terrify the enemy. Every Sunday, that's our obligation, to glorify God, edify the saint, and to terrify the enemy. And we cannot do it alone without the Holy Spirit presence here with us. So what is the big deal about going or coming to church? Really, what is it? What, what is the big deal? Why we, why we go to church? Is it just because we're pleasing to man, to our friends and family? Or is it just because it's God's will for us? It is God's will for us to go to church. 
it is God's commandment for us to, to gather as a little flock in somebody's house and pray and raise and worship God in spirit and in truth. This is how true believers and followers of Jesus Christ do. It is not complicated, but we complicate our fellowship and our faith with God so much that sometimes we get overwhelmed and we say, I don't want anything to do with it. This is way too much. I already have enough on my plate. But God says, no, no. You have to have an appetite for my existence in your life. If you do not have an appetite for God, what is your spiritual food? What are you feeding yourself? What is your spiritual food? So next week, we're going to talk about part two, and we're going to go deeper with what is the true church of Jesus Christ. It's not about division. Jesus and God never, ever, never, ever promote or ask us to be divided. He always asks us for unity. He wants us to be unified of believers. He wants us to be a reflection of who He is. He wants us to be what He gave His life for. He wants us to be the Great Commission, right? We stop when we get to the disciple stage of our life, but we don't realize that we are called to be disciples makers. I blame it on the church in the 70s and 80s because that's all they taught. What can the church do for me? So we go in with that personal agenda that if I go to church and I do what they ask me to do, that means God is going to put more food on my table. That church is going to be a blessing to me. I'm going to get engaged with the church. Sadly, we go in and we find tribes and we find cliques. And if we don't get through to one of those cliques and those tribes, we walk away from the building. And in the process, we walk away from Jesus. And that's a division that Satan makes. He loves a divided church. You know, people get mad at me when I say, Jesus loves the body because we are unified in Him. But also, Satan loves the body too because when he sees us divided, when we stand at the altar and says, Hallelujah, raise you, embrace you, God, and I love you, and I commit my life to you, and I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to follow you, God. And yet, when we leave the church, we go back in our old ways. Satan smile. You know why? Because he knows that here's another one in the fire. And it breaks my heart. Because as a church, we should be the living hope. We should show the true picture of who Jesus Christ is. It's all about Jesus being the center of the church, the center of your household, the center of your life. And the Holy Spirit leads you wherever you go. Because God says, if you stand before me strong and courageous, I'll break walls, I'll move mountains and depart the sea. But only if, only if.